Welcome to the number one place you should send anyone trying to get out of the rat race and build a little wealth. When you're building your portfolio, starting from the ground floor, you need something different that you never thought you'd have before. A rabbit in the hat called the Not Your Average Investor Show to inspire you, entertain you, and teach you how to grow your dough. Surrounded by a tribe with a vibe you've been seeking for. With people in your corner gonna make you really, really grow. But just how fast you'll grow, how big you'll go, you couldn't possibly know. Not at this point in time. But that's why we're here. Welcome to the Not Your Average Investor Show and Community, where we figured that most of us trying to get out of the rat race need a little bit of education and a lot of friends to help us understand complicated asset classes. And that's what we provide here with a focus on helping you get into one of the greatest long-term risk-adjusted asset classes in the history of investments, rental income properties. But don't hear from me. Join us right now to our live show, Already in Progress. Enjoy. We are officially live on YouTube for the Thursday edition of the Not Your Average Investor Show. Today, we are talking to a New York police officer who's bought eight rental properties in the last four years, making money moves. I'm your host, Pablo Gonzalez. With me, as always, the man that I affectionately like to call GC because of his genius concepts, because he knows how to generate cash flow because he's got he's a great co-host and because his name is Greg Cohen. Say hello, Greg. Hello, everybody. Great to be with you. Moderating the chat here with the community is our amazing community manager. We call her MTM because she brings us the moments that matter and because her name is Madison the Magnificent. Say hello, Madison. Hi, everybody. And the star of the show today who you are going to get to interact and pick his brain and find out how he is not an average New York police officer in any means. Sachi Singh, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, it's Asaji Singh over here. <laughs> <laughs> good to have you, man. Good to have you. And it is good to have the community in the house. As you all know, we do this live show every single week. But sometimes when people join, they see all these inside jokes and all this new information and they're overwhelmed. So we did something, GC and I. Mm-hmm. We put a class together that's called the Not Your Average Investor's Guide to the Smart Way to Invest in Passive Passively, we haven't in, exactly in nailed the delivery of the title, but the class is awesome. The class is great. <laughs> the class is great. And all you need to know is that if you go to nyaiclass.com, you can get this class. It is normally going to be sold at $9.97, mm-hmm. but since we are in the middle of the launch, you can get it for free. For free, free $99. If you put in NYAI guide as the in the checkout thing. Oh, you forgot one thing. NYAI guide. Free. NYAI guide free. Madison is going to put it in the in the chat so that you can copy paste that thing. We already have over a hundred people signed up. So How about that? Huh? How about that? Uh, over a hundred folks yeah, out there going be, to the class. You're going to be in good company. It is GC and I being GC and I. Him giving great advice, me asking dumb questions, and uh, making fun of each other throughout the process. But you're going to learn. <laughs> yeah, we had a blast doing it. So go check it out. NYAI class. That's not your average investor show. NYAI class.com and don't forget the coupon code NYAI guide free for next week. I'm just going to make an even harder coupon code for you to say, just to see if I can trip you up. It's going to be like ampersands in there. Throw a niner in there if you can. All right. And with that being said, the reason why it's because you want to be part of this community 
and be part of what you see. The roll call, baby. The roll call, baby. We got Madison welcoming everybody in the house. We got our leadoff hitter today. John Henning. As usual, we got the MVP of the community batting second. Mr. Lee Bishop. Mr. Lee Bishop. We got Maury Leitner, who I know happens to have registered for the class. Absolutely, Maury. Thank you for joining the class. From Welcome. LA, we got the fairy godmother of the Natural Average Investor Show community. Miss Jen Phil. Miss Jen Phils. And we got Denny Davies in the house. The Davies family has officially relocated what? to Arkansas. Woo. Did not hey, know. Silly. All right. All right. You're closer and closer. We love that. We got our favorite name to pronounce, Aaron O'Neill. Into the light. Check it in. Good to have you. We got Leo Farraganan. Good morning from the Bay Area. Let's rock. Who else? We got Big Papa in the house. We love it when he calls in Big Papa. It is a big day for Big Papa. Guess whose birthday it is. Is it Big Papa's birthday? It's Big Papa's birthday. Greg's. Let's shower him with birthday. Greg's dad, Jay Cohen. Throw your hands in the air if you're a true player. Happy birthday, Big Papa. Good to have you in the house. Who else we got in here? We got the better Greg over here. Greg number one. Greg Stone. Greg Stone from mm-hmm. New Jersey. Of course. Checking in. Who else? We got the first family of the Not Traffic Invest Show in the Bay Area, the matriarch and patriarch, Ken and Carolyn Maline. We, we salute, salute you. you. Who else we got out here? We got uh scroll through all the remasters in the house. Andrew Barnhill, Andrew of course. Barnhill. Drew Barnhill. We got somebody checking in from the texts, not your average guest. If you check in from the text, I don't know your name. So let me know in the chat who you are when you said hello, everyone. But good to have you. Mm-hmm. We got the early bird in the house. That would be Mr. Dean Curry, Dean of course. Curry. We got Senor Billy Shields with a highly Drew Jen and MTM in a irregular English. Yeah, I don't speak his language right there. <laughs> We're going to have to go to the Espanol. <laughs> we got Marilyn Cotterman in the house from Homosassa, Florida. That's from, that's a home of the manatees, home, Pablo. Home of the manatees. Sachi, if you've ever if you've ever been to Homosassa, Florida, you got to swim with manatees. You know about that? No, I never heard of it, actually. <laughs> now you know, bro. Now you know. We got our favorite fee-based fiduciary financial advisor, Miss Kelly Barenbaum. There we go. I didn't know if there was another act. I thought you were going to say something. I I was waiting to drop the name. It's great to have you, Kelly. Good to have you back in the house. We got David Blatner in the house. All right. Dave B, greeting, and every, greeting everybody from New England. All right. Let's, oh, okay. Bill Shields did check in. He said, Feliz Jueves. Oh, there we go. All That's right. a, now I understand. a lack of my reading comprehension. <laughs> I am sorry. And after the roll call, which is one of my favorite things, mm-hmm. you get to my real favorite. Mm-hmm. You know what that is? Mm-hmm. It's when Madison shares good news. What's the good news, Madison? All right, everybody. This is some of my favorite news to share just because it shows a real testament to how hard our team works for you guys. We just got the Q1 maintenance stat. In Q1, our maintenance team troubleshot 594 work order requests over the phone. That's 19% of all work order requests put in. And that equated to over $55,000 in savings for you guys. Woohoo. I love that. I love that. Great job, Madison. And for all of you, if you want to understand how to work with a world-class property management team, listen to how they speak about metrics, right? Listen to how they manage their business. Most property management companies will simply never track the amount of work orders that are solved over the phone. They don't track the dollars saved for you as an owner because that's not what typical property management does. Also, because if they solve more work overs or more work orders over the phone, they don't get to do a maintenance markup on maintenance costs which is pretty typical in the property management space. Mm -hmm. So for JWB, we don't like maintenance costs. We don't want to make money off of your maintenance costs when it comes to your turnkey portfolio. So we are trying really hard to solve those work orders over the phone so that you don't have those additional costs. So over $55,000 going right to your bottom line just this quarter in the form of cost savings because our team is trained and able to solve those issues and we don't have to send a repair person out there for you. 
That is alignment of interest that I've ever heard it. Like one of the things we talk about with vertical integration is this idea that you want somebody that is completely vertically integrated as far as their whole business model. And that also means that when you win, they win. When 100%. they win, you win. Really cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Madison, job, Madison. You know what I call that? I call that good news. I appreciate it. All right. Now to the star of the show. Sachi, man, why don't you tell us, I, I don't generally associate police officers with eight home portfolio real estate investing, man. I think really extraordinary. Can you tell us how you got into this game and how you got here on the show? Like I said, my growing up, my father is a real estate broker for the past 40 years, and I've always been interested in real estate. But to get started in real estate, you need some kind of cash saved up to invest. I became a police officer in 2010. And during my first few years as a police officer, I began saving money. And in 2013, I began looking around in Queens, New York for a property. And at the time, I was looking at a property to fix and flip, and then eventually take that cash and buy a bigger property and fix that and flip that. However, I came across, with the help of my father, of course, I came across a three-family house in Queens. The couple who owned it was going through a divorce, so I actually got a really good deal on the house. I bought the property in 2015. Later on in 2019, I took out a HELOC loan, had some cash on hand, and I decided to do some research on turnkey properties. I did some deep diving on bigger pockets, on YouTube, on numerous other forms, and I came across JWB. And on these forms, there were many good things that were said about JWB. People love the quickness, the responsiveness, the friendliness of JWB. Another thing that grabbed my attention was that I believe at the time, JWB was one of the best companies to work for in Florida. And that kind of tipped the scale for me because I said to myself, if employees like to work for this company, then they must treat their clients really well. And then in 2019, I believe the first property I purchased was a property on Spotswood, Spotswood Road. And I purchased it, was it June, June of 2019? And of July 2019, I purchased another. And then August 2019, I finally purchased my third. Fast forward a few years, in late 2021, I decided to list my three-family house for sale because I no longer wanted to manage the property myself. It became too time-consuming. And I noticed that JWB had a really good system set up to manage properties and to get a return for their investors. So I decided to list the property for sale. I ended up selling it in early 2022, took that, took the profits, put it into a 1031 exchange. Within the next few weeks, I identified five properties with JWB and I made those purchases within the next six months. Well, now I currently have eight properties with JWB and wow. very happy. Congratulations. Man. This is so cool. First of all, I just want to say a big thank you for your service out there protecting everybody in New York and protecting us all. We appreciate your service there. I don't know if I've heard of a more inspiring story. You just And it just seems like you've done it the right way. Right. You started, you were surrounded by some great support. Your father being in real estate for 40 years, I'm sure was a really great support, but you went about it in a way that was calculated, right? Saved up, started, you started over 13 years ago with that process of saving. You saved for a number of years 
And you didn't just say, but you did your due diligence and you started to go to different places to be able to learn and to educate yourself. And you heard, you probably heard of JWB, you probably heard of a few others. And then you said, okay, I'm not just going to stop there. I'm going to do some more due diligence. And that type of strategic long-term vision, that is something really to be celebrated. So I'm super, super impressed. I'm curious, you're this is a new and different way to invest in real estate. It's not traditional. Your father having 40 years of experience here, what does he think about investing in turnkey properties? And what does he think about your portfolio today? Maybe did he have some reservations early on? Or can you talk about that dynamic? So initially, he wasn't too happy with investing into He's an old traditional real estate. He told me to just buy another three family in Queens, but I didn't have the time to keep up with it. And the maintenance costs would have been much higher. And there wasn't really anyone I could see myself trusting in New York. So that's when I began my research in other states. I started looking in Texas. I think it was Alabama. And then I came across Florida, especially Jacksonville. And one thing that really drew me close to JWB was that I believe on your website, it said, or in a video, it said that JWB wanted to stay only in Jacksonville. And that, that is, it, it drew me in because that's where you want to specialize in. So I was willing to put my money there. You know what, Sachi, you are making my day because we had a client journey, I think three weeks ago, and it was the first time that a client had said, hey, you know what, when you said that you were dedicated and committed and focused to one market, that's what I wanted to be a part of. And just to give you a little bit of backstory for the last 17 years that I've been evangelizing this message as we've been building up JWB. I've always felt that the fact that we are committed to one market is one of the big reasons you should want to do business with us. But for the first probably five or 10 years, 15 years even, I felt like people would look at that and say, oh, I wish you would have gone to this market, that market, five other markets out there. And I was just waiting for the day. I knew there'd be a day. I was waiting for the day that a client would say to me, hey, you know what? The fact that you're committed here, I understand why that's better for me. And I'm so glad that you're committed to one market. So Sachi, thank you so much for saying that and for making my day. No, you got it. No problem. Sachi, so many things in this story are fascinating to me. And what I want to do right now is, I know that you got some questions about what your next moves are. I want to get there, man. But I think I want to pick out a couple like points here that I think are going to be really helpful to people that want to grow up to be like Sachi, like myself, for example. So one of them is the idea that you're saving and you are investing in a different asset, right? Like when I think about police officers and, and people that work in positions like that. I think that one of the things that people really like about it is this pension that they get, right? Most Americans don't get a pension and they tend to count on that for sure. retirement, right? I wonder what your thinking is around that part. What made you want to start saving to like move beyond that and start getting there? So if you were typically a police officer or a city employee will retire very young and eventually inflation will beat out your pension for the most part. And you're going to have to work again, or you're going to have to find some type of job to support yourself because your pension 10, 20, 30 years down the line will not be able to support you. So I always wanted to have a second source of income in order to supplement my pension. And I found that real estate, in addition for it being cash flow or income, it's also an asset that you can use. You could also take out equity. It gives you more flexibility. So what, why is the, why is that belief in the pension thing? Or if you were speaking to somebody else about like why they need to buy in on that, what advice would you have to give someone like that? 
to, to also in, invest in something else? Yeah. Because you, you're, you just can't rely on a pension. Costs, as we see right now, costs will go up. Inflate, there is inflation. And you don't want to find yourself looking for a job at 50, 60 years old, and you don't have the skills to find another job. It's better to start younger, plan ahead 10, 15, 20 years down the line and have secondary income, whether it be real estate or it could be a business or something, but I chose real estate. And that's so incredible. I learn something every time that we get to, to speak with a client. I have never really thought about inflation affecting pensions. So many Americans don't get the opportunity to have a pension. I think if you have the opportunity to have a pension, people are like, oh man, that's incredible. I'm there. I have my future expenses taken care of. But that's not really the case because if you think about inflation happening, listen, it's 5% right now. Most times it's call it somewhere around 2 to 3% a year. And you hold on to that pension, that amount does not increase that you get paid every single year. And if that pension is supplying your income for 20 years or 30 years, it's not nearly as valuable as spending power. I've really never thought about that, but I would imagine the inflation hedge and the inflation profiting potential within real estate really matters to you, Sachi. Is that something that you targeted and said, hey, listen, I want to be in real estate because it's a hedge against inflation? Yeah, because year after year, you rents go up and typically your mortgage is supposed to come down, whether you refinance, find ways to save on insurance. There should be a gap between your cash flow and your cost. So yeah, it was a way. So smart, dude. Yeah, that's awesome. I think we should do more about inflation is a killer of spending power one way or another. There's cash, but then even if you have a pension, you just, with the way inflation works, if you count on that for 20 years, that's not going to support you. That's really cool. Because we're usually thinking about these like stock portfolio that could be going up and down and that could affect your cash flow. But even in a pension where you have this like exact cash flow, Mm -hmm. it still doesn't actually keep up with the rest the way that real estate does. Yeah, man. Nailed it. Super smart. The other thing, Sachi, that that really sticks out to me is this idea that Greg and I, when we first sat down to figure out this show, and I'm like, who's your client? <laughs> he was real certain that it was a lot of like active investors that then wanted to go passive. And as we've done this show, we found a lot of other types of people. And it's honestly the minority that that we have on this show that is an active investor that starts like that and then goes passive. The first thing I would like to ask you is, you had a real estate broker dad that found you this asset, but were there any other kind of sources of education that you went to that gave you the confidence to get into real estate and then take the active route? Or did you just jump in like Uncle Joe, property manager over here? In 2015, when I purchased that three family, that was mostly because of my father. He was like, get a house, get some property. You'll have some money to your name. As for going to turnkey real estate investment, that was a lot of research and it is a risk because you're putting your money in another state and you don't really know what's going to happen with it, but it it was a risk. But if you conduct enough research and you chat with a few people and you do some background on the company, then the risk is not that risky anymore. Yeah. I'm really curious what your friends, colleagues, the folks that you go to work with, the hardworking police officers in New York City, those who know your journey here, what do they think of your journey? Did they think that you were crazy in the beginning and now are they saying now you're the smartest man alive or are they like, what are you doing? So at the beginning, when I spoke to a few colleagues, they thought I was crazy. Yeah, right. hundred you know, percent thought I was crazy. But as a few, because I still speak to them every now and then, 
And a few years later, they'll ask me, oh, how's your property doing now? It's COVID. They'll, they'll come up with some type of, you know, reason why the property shouldn't do a bit. I'm like, oh, it's doing even better than before, to be honest. Right. And, uh, and I'll explain to them that JWB is doing a great job down in uh, Jacksonville with the properties. That's really, thank you, first of all, for saying that. If you're looking, if you get into this asset class and you're looking for people to pat you on the back, I don't think that you're ever going to get that. They're going to call you crazy when you jump into this asset class. They're going to tell you you're nuts. And then when it works out, you know what they're going to tell you? They're not going to tell you you're smart. Oh. Until you were lucky. <laughs> yeah. You were lucky. It sounds That's like the they're way it goes. looking for reasons to validate that crazy assumption is, is what I'm hearing from it. Like they're still like, oh yeah, so your property's now not doing good. <laughs> it must be terrible. Wait, no. Oh, it's Sachi says, oh, it's still performing. They're like, wait a second. In a year, Sachi, they're going to find something else for it to not be performed, but you know how it goes. Uh, def- definitely. A lot of people don't like, I would call it the slow and steady approach. because mm-hmm. it, it, is, it is slow and steady and secure for the most part. Yeah. As a society, we have foregone the slow and steady. We want get rich quick. We want high risk, high reward type of things. That's what unfortunately a lot of people do. And unfortunately, that's why a lot of people don't succeed when it comes to investing. Yeah. Makes sense, man. So that being said, you mentioned a couple of things that I found really interesting, right? Like you said that you were looking around And the first thing that you mentioned was you found that JWB was a good company and that you liked the best places to work thing. And then you mentioned you were looking at Texas and Florida and decided on Florida. One of the big kind of things that we preach here that is different than everybody else is the idea that most people are like looking for a property in a market and then they try to find team. And it sounds like you value it completely differently. Can you tell me Can you tell me about that, man? Can you tell me about your search and how you decided to weigh the idea of team versus market versus property? So for Jacksonville, I did, I looked up like the job growth over the last, I think 20 to 50, I can't remember, maybe 10, 20 years. Also the population growth. Uh, I was looking to see if any businesses were investing in the area or expanding. And I believe I seen at the time that Jacksonville's port had mm-hmm. some type of expansion project going on. So Absolutely. to me, I seen, you know what, there's going to be jobs in Jacksonville and people are going to need houses to stay in. Those are some of the reasons why I think Jacksonville. Let me go a little bit deeper there because Texas is another very popular market. Dallas and the Fort Worth area is another very popular market. It's harder to get cash flows there today than it was five years ago. So it scared some folks away from it. But that's another market that is comparable to Jacksonville. Uh, and they got a lot of job growth and they've got a lot of businesses moving there. They have a bigger population than Jacksonville. Can you go a little bit deeper? Because I think this conversation of one market over another really matters to people. What else about Jacksonville's market separated itself from maybe the Dallas's of the world? I seen that there was lower property tax on Jacksonville. Mm. In many locations in Texas, they had higher property tax. And I believe some of the insurance was much higher. So you couldn't really get, if you were looking for cash flow. There was not much there. Some of the companies were offering like $25 a month cash flow. I said, no. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough there. I was actually looking at the comparable cash flow markets out there. And I was looking at their historical appreciation over the last 40 years. And Jacksonville's appreciation rate compared to Dallas, compared to Birmingham, Cleveland, Kansas City, and Memphis. Those are the five that I chose. Jacksonville's home price appreciation is 25% higher than the average of those other cash flow markets out there. And you still get cash flow, right? So that's hard to come by. Yeah, definitely. And I noticed my first few properties about the appreciation has been pretty wild. 
You timed the market perfectly. Let's be honest. We've never had a growth period like we've had over the last two years. And you started, I think the whole market was like, when is Saatchi going to own properties in Jacksonville? That's when it's going to start to explode. I, I think that's what happened. Yeah, there is, there's definitely some luck involved if you want cash flow. But if you're looking for long-term asset growth, you know, Jacksonville is still really good. And I think it's important to know that you came into this asset class not counting on that incredible appreciation that you've experienced. You weren't told that was going to happen. You bought it based on the fundamentals. And it's wonderful that you have upside potential. That's why owning the asset is so important, right? And But over time, we know that growth that we've had over the last two years is not sustainable. Over time, and this is the same thing I shared with Pablo when he bought his properties right around the same time you did, Sachi. It's Listen, I love that we all have a head start on our return on investment and your returns are looking fantastic, Sachi, which we're going to get into in just a second. But over time, it's going to perform over the next 20 years like it has performed for the last 20 years here in Jacksonville real estate. And that's what I love. Hopefully that's what you love about this. That's There's that slow and steady approach. It's not that home run. We weren't counting on it. It's nice when it happens in a two or three year span, but it was never the goal. The goal was slow and steady, build up this army of income producing assets over time. Can you relate to that? Oh, yeah, no, de- definitely. It's a slow and steady. It's an asset class that you could also pass over to your kids eventually if you needed to. And it'll always be there and it will hopefully always grow in value. Speaking to that, Sachi, I don't know if I think you've noticed because I see you smirking every time I'm like, <laughs> because what people may not know is that you told us that you don't really listen to this show. Like you've listened a couple of times, a little bit here and there, never to the full episode. And you're just sitting here spitting out all the things that we talk about all the time. And I find that really fascinating. And one of the things that, that I found really interesting on the flip side of this luck equation, we were talking about, yeah, you got in, you got your last ones mid to late 2022, right on time. And you're like, yeah, cause it's going to get, it's going to get harder for people to do it now And I asked you to clarify that, right? Can you share with me what you told me when we talked about like this, like interest rates going up and and cash flow getting compressed? Yeah. So for people just getting into the the game, they'll see that the interest rates are six, seven, eight percent, maybe even nine if you're getting investment property. And that might turn some people off because it will affect your cash flow um, month after month. But, you know, three, four, five, six years down the line, you could refinance. And eventually, at the same time, your rents are going to be going up and you could refinance and monthly mortgage payment will go down and then you'll be winning eventually. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing about the mortgages that we have here in the United States, right? You're able to get much lower interest rates than you can abroad, which is hard for people to understand right now because rates have gone up, but that's the truth. Much lower interest rates. You're able to secure that loan for a fixed rate for 30 years. So you don't have that variability of interest rate risk there. But at the time, at the first moment that rates start to go down again, you can refinance with no prepayment penalty, right? It's like, it's the most beautiful lending credit situation that we have for real estate investment in our country. And most people are not even aware of how great it is compared to what the rest of the world deals with when it comes to borrowing money. And this concept that while rates may be higher today than we all want, I think we all know at some point rates are going to come down again. It's a shoe in to know that you're going to be able to refinance at at some point in the future. And oh, by the way, you still have properties that break even today and produce a little bit of positive cash flow. So it only gets better from there. And most people never, I think, go that far down the line to realize that 
go past the sticker shock of rates being three, 4% higher today than they were a year ago. That right there is what I call a golden nugget that we're going to clip out and post on the JWB YouTube channel. If you're on YouTube, check it out. And while you're at it, you may have noticed that this is being done live in front of an audience. If you want to be part of the show, go to nyais.com. That's not your average investor show, nyais.com. Register and join us on a Tuesday or Thursday at 1230 Eastern. Trust me, it's as fun as it sounds. Now let's get it back to me and GC kicking it with our not your average investor homies. Yeah, we've been saying that for a little while now. I was like, hey, Greg, is this the right to think about? Yeah. <laughs> but it's exactly what I said. All right, Tachi, man, I want to get into, you said that you wanted to come on the show because you were like, man, I got some questions about my portfolio. I want to bed Greg's ear. Let's do it, man. What you got? I'm on my eighth property and plan. I'm currently saving up to get hopefully number nine, number 10. Fantastic. I know number 10, it's quite difficult to get a mortgage. What would be the best approach to get, go to number 11, 12, 13? Yeah. Great question. A number of good solutions too, as well. The easiest one, are you married, Sachi? Yes. Okay. When you've purchased your eight properties with us, have they been in both you and your wife's name? A separate. They've been in separate. Okay. So is it just you on the loan? So right now it's just me on all eight. Man. Did you know to do it that way? Or well, did it just I, I happen? Kinda, I kind of, yeah. Yeah. So that's incredible. It's a huge asset for you. And we'll actually sit down with folks ahead of time if they do have plans to get over 10 properties and kind of coach you in this way. So I'm so glad that you landed there. But what many people are not aware of as a husband and wife, it's not 10 mortgages is the total amount that you can get conventionally financed with. It's actually 20 because you can buy properties in your name, get the no, get the loan in your name like Sachi did for those first 10 properties. And then on the next 10, it can be Sachi's wife on the property and Sachi's wife getting the loan. And assuming both of them can qualify for the loan without the income from the other, then you actually have 20 mortgage spots to be able to do this. So that is the easiest thing to do. Beyond that, even if that's not a possibility for some of us out there, you may be at the 10 property limit, your wife or your husband may not be able to qualify without you. There's, there, there's that consideration. The lenders that are available today are much different than even when I started to invest. When I started to invest, if you had over the finance property rule from Fannie Mae, you just couldn't get financing. It was like a, there was like an abyss between conventional financing and then super big type of loan volume. Now there is, there, there's a whole lending environment for folks that are not conventionally financed, not conventional Fannie Mae financing. But if you need 11, 12, 13, number 14 properties, the rates will be a slight bit higher than what you will get for your Fannie Mae conventionally financed purchase. But these are the options are there today. So it's a long way of saying if you're at 10 finance properties and you don't have another mortgage spot, just reach out to JWB or do the due diligence on your own. But there's an entire lending community out there that lends specifically to borrowers who are qualified, who have 10 mortgages, and that can get you 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 numbers of properties. Is that specific enough for you, Sachi? Or? Wow, that's great. The idea with having the spouse get the other properties is really good. Awesome. Awesome, man. You got anything else? Any other specific well, questions? One thing that I did see, the insurance costs. Well, a lot of properties are going up. I don't know if there's any going to be any resolution. 
So that positive is- news on that front. So you got to think about the source of why insurance costs have risen over the past couple of years. And if you look at the number of lawsuits that have come in the state of Florida compared to other states, it's just, it's ridiculous, right? Unfortunately, there have been loopholes that the people have sued these insurance companies for a lot of things that they just didn't sue for back in the day. And I'll leave it at that. But at the end of the day, the number of lawsuits and many of them frivolous lawsuits has really hurt the industry here in the state of Florida. So it was such a big deal that the state legislature called a special session so that they would get together and figure out and close those loopholes so that these insurance companies would not just continue to get frivolous lawsuits. And they did that. And according to Whitney Ritchie, who is an insurance partner, owns the Ritchie Insurance Group. Do you work with the Ritchie Insurance Group? Yeah. So she is our lifeline here. She's actually been lobbying at the state level to make sure that this was done very well. She's just a, a wonderful advocate for all of us here. She told me that she felt really confident about how about 80% of the problem was solved based on the action from the state legislature. And so that's a really good thing. We believe that the interest, excuse me, the insurance cost increases are not going to continue, certainly not at the same rate. I asked her, are we going to see insurance costs come down? She said, not so fast. She said, it's going to take a little bit of time. I think there's been seven or eight carriers that have gone under in the state of Florida because of these lawsuits over the past few years. We feel like the worst is behind us, which is a good thing. Going forward, we're hopeful that rates will come down to some level, but I don't expect that to be overnight. And the big thing is that for those who have owned properties over the last three time, three years or so, as this started to be more and more of a thing, if you could have picked the best time for there to be an insurance spike, it would be when rents have gone up 10, 15% per year over the last few years like they have. And of course, home values gone up 15 to 20% as they have over the last couple of years. So overall, even though we're not happy about insurance, the cost increases that we have received pale in comparison to the rent increases and the overall home value increases that we've received. And so from a returns perspective, we're doing quite well. Got it. Sachi, a little bit under a month ago, maybe we had Whitney on to talk about all this stuff. Madison shared the episode in the chat, but it's something to look out for, man. Maybe we can, we'll email it to you so you can check it out. Are you a podcast guy or a YouTube guy? Have you like watching? Either or. Okay, Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So we'll send that to you, man. So you can see the whole episode. It was a really good breakdown by her and like the whole future pacing, but you got the cliff notes from Greg for what that's worth. Got it. Anything else, man? I decided it's kind of out of the ballpark, but does JWB plan to invest into maybe commercial properties or? I love the fact that you haven't actually been on the show very often. It's so perfect. It's so wonderful. It gives me an opportunity to talk about some of the things that I'm most passionate about that you may not have heard about. So two and a half years ago, we made an important decision at JWB. We felt like there was a limited time where we could do something really great for our community here in Jacksonville to help raise median incomes. We could do something really great for our clients like you who own properties, call it within a 10 or a 15 minute radius of downtown Jacksonville. And we thought that we could do something really great for JWB over the long haul. And so we decided to make some key strategic investments in downtown Jacksonville. And we went big. So over we made the, a couple investments. Yeah, we went pretty big. We've invested in, we've acquired about 20 blocks in downtown Jacksonville. Blocks, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a multiple year endeavor and a learning experience. And now is the most fun part of it because these projects, a lot of these projects are 
tens of millions of dollars of construction that we have done for the first time, right? Wow. We typically build houses that cost a couple hundred thousand dollars to do. These have been projects that have been $10 million, $20 million buildings that have been vacant for 30 years. So there's, a, of course, a learning process through that. Now those projects are completed. A number of them are completed. This past Saturday, we actually opened one up for my business partner, Alex. He just turned 40 years old actually yesterday. And so we had a special opening before it's available for the public to, to go into the old Federal Reserve building in downtown Jacksonville, which is one of these $20 million renovations that we've done and just had an incredible time with a close-knit group of friends to celebrate his birthday. So long story there, but we have made strategic decisions to, to be positive influence, to make an impact in downtown Jacksonville. And the reason is because when median incomes raise, everybody wins in the community. Everybody wins, especially those who own assets within, call it that 10 or 15 minute radius. Wow. Because if you look at other cities that have experienced the growth and revitalization that we're seeing in Jacksonville right now, the rents and the purchase prices, the rents and the market values of all of those assets go up at a rate that's much higher than the typical appreciation rate in that market. And so that's how you're going to benefit from that and all of our clients that are benefiting from that. It's being able to, I think, make the best risk-adjusted investment in a growing downtown. And that's not buying these $20 million buildings and renovations like JWB is doing. That's a different risk profile, which we're happy to take on. That's not the right risk profile for you, Sachi. But the right risk profile is buying these assets that pay for themselves in those neighborhoods that are 10 minutes away and being able to ride the coattails of a growing downtown. So yeah, so that was a long answer to your question. We have invested in commercial. It's been a much bigger endeavor over the last few years than even we've done in the previous years, which we've dabbled before that. And I'm really excited about the impact on our community. And I'm really excited about the impact on your investments. So from what I said, the goal is to increase the median income in the immediate area. Yeah, absolutely. When you start to see the development that's going on in downtown Jacksonville, you, you want to create this kind of flywheel effect. So Right now, and again, you look at other successful downtowns. This isn't us coming up with this. We're following the model that's worked in other downtowns like Austin and Nashville and Denver. In the beginning, there's less people living downtown and rents downtown are artificially low and there's not enough amenities downtown. That's growth. And that's where we were for Jacksonville, right? We have 1.6 million people living in Jacksonville, in the greater area of Jacksonville. And for many years, we only had 3,500 people living downtown which is just unbelievably low. But what happens is developers, pioneers early on come in and they start taking down city blocks of JWB is one of those developers. And there's a number of other ones. You say taking down because it's developer talk. Yeah. And I think people are going to think you're like Sorry. demolishing city blocks, no. but you mean like they just started taking on these projects. I just want to change you. that because that sounds terrible. I appreciate it. Thank <laughs> you so much. Yeah. Yes. When I say taking down, I mean buying old buildings doing these $20 million historical renovations yeah. to these old buildings yeah. and making them beautiful yeah. again, the complete opposite of taking down. Yeah, because that's what happens <laughs> in Miami. And I just have this like really bad like reaction. Yeah. Me. But what you're doing is you want to make a place where people want to live and work because when people want to live and work there, median incomes rise. So Jacksonville, we had 3,500 people living downtown. Now we have 7,500 people living downtown, which is still lower than we want but it's on our path to 10,000. And that's just over the past couple of years. More employers want to be where their workforce 
lives, more bars and restaurants and amenities come in. And what happens is the rents in that area get high enough that it attracts future development because developers need rents to go up higher. And then you create this flywheel effect. And overall, what's happening is there's more median income rising in that area. And then on the outskirts of downtown, in those neighborhoods that you own properties and I own properties, and all of you have the opportunity to own properties, that's where you start to see above average rent and price growth. Sounds good. It's pretty cool, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. I, that's one of the coolest stories I've ever heard. All right, Sachi. This is now the time where Greg has been preparing all week long to show you how your inter- income portfolio is doing, man. You ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, Sachi. All right, my friend. This is your life. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Let's look at all the hard work and the dedication and the leap of faith that Sachi took four years ago and look at it in terms of his portfolio with JWB. On the right here, you see all of his purchases. And when clients own these 8, 10, 12 properties, it's really hard for us to put it all on one slide, Sachi. But what you see all there are all the purchase prices, the loan interest rates. And like we talked about, Sachi, not only from an appreciation perspective, did you nail the timing on it, but your interest rates, incredibly low. I'm so happy that you have this asset with an interest rate that's locked in for 30 years if you'd like it to happen, because that really puts you in a position of financial strength. This looks like mostly renovated homes with a couple of new construction. I feel like this one looks like a new construction. Sachi, what was your thinking there? Going forward, I want to purchase only new construction. And that was the only one. So for the 1031 exchange, I only had a certain amount of time, identify properties, and it was a little bit harder, put a little pressure on me. I think I spoke to Brandon at the time, able to throw one in there for me. And it was actually under construction, I believe. They were able to finish it. But going forward with number nine and number 10, I do want them to be new construction. I think it's more beneficial in the long run. Let's talk about that. Why do you think that is? Less maintenance issues. You got a longer life of use on it and it appreciates a bit more, I see. Some of those things are correct. And some of those, I'm going to challenge you on a little bit. On the maintenance one, right? You see slightly lower maintenance costs when it comes to new construction homes than renovated homes. On a renovated home, you're expecting about a 7.5% maintenance rate compared to the rents that you earn. And on a new construction home, it's about 4%. So there's a little bit of difference there. So you're right about that. But most people think that new construction homes appreciate more than renovated homes. That's actually not the case. There's no difference. There's no, no data to support that a home that was built in 1970 appreciates more than a home that was built in 1950. And for those who are owning this JWB portfolio, you're planning on owning for 10 years or 20 years. At some point very soon here, even the new construction home that you buy today, you're not going to call that new construction in three years or five years. And it will perform just like a home did from 1980s or 1990s or 1970s or 1960s. The new construction appeal there is at the date of purchase. But in the long run, your home price appreciation rates, there's not a difference between if it was new construction or if it was 10 years old or if it was 20 years old or if it was 40 years old. They all appreciate over time. So keep that in mind going forward. And I just think you are going to love your performance on your renovated homes. <laughs> and so I love new construction and I love renovated properties. And that's what I would advise you to do the same. You absolutely nailed it when it came to the team and the market and the property, whether it's new construction or a renovation, it's like a widget, man. It's like a widget. 
It really is. And I think to the eyes, people look at new construction and say, that's a better asset because listen, that makes sense, right? It's some, it's a prettier home. It's brand new. But at the end of the day, after owning these properties for 10 years, you're not going to see a difference. Maybe I got spoiled because the cash flow on the new property was really good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There you go. I think you make your decisions based on the numbers. And if it happens to be a new construction home, that's awesome. And if it's not, it's really good. that's okay too. You're going to see your numbers here in just a second. You'll see what I mean. Yeah. That's cool, man. All right. All right. Learn something new. So I, what I hear there is like less pressure, right? So next time you come across a pot of money, if it can get you two renos versus one and a half new constructions, you have a little bit of ammunition to think about a little bit different, right? No, it makes sense. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for So let's take a look at just how this is performing and your highest return on investment property. Guess what? It's a renovated property. Wow. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so this is the home on Portsmouth Avenue. I guess I'm uh, just curious, prior to looking at this data, would you have said that your favorite property is the new construction property that you had? Right now, yeah. <laughs> it's nice to look at, too. So. It's nice to look at. I'll grant you that for sure. Does it surprise you that your actual best performing property is this renovated home on Portsmouth? Yeah, it does. You have a number of high performing properties, so I'll give you that. But this one actually is the highest performing property at 15.94% annualized lifetime returns over the four years that you've owned it. And again, this isn't even including home price appreciation, which I'm going to add for you at the end of our, our session here. So that's your highest performing property, but I always like to show the lowest performing property as well. I think truthfulness and authenticity and showing the good and the bad of this asset class is important. So let's look at one that didn't meet expectations over the first four years. I'm just going to say 16%. It's pretty good. I know. I just went out appreciation, man. I know. 16%. I know. That's nice. So here's our property on 29th street. Okay. You can see that we are at negative 8% returns not including home price appreciation. Let's lean into this a little bit. Sachi, tell me about your experience with this property. I purchased this property, when was it? In April of 2022. And I believe two months after I purchased it, there was a termite issue. Is that what it was? That's that's what it was. Actually, J- JWB came to me and said, there's a termite property. And because you just purchased the property, we're going to handle absolutely everything from A to Z. No oh. way. We did that. I, honestly, I, I reached out to the team late last night because I wanted to get a little bit more information because this is unusual. And I didn't check my emails before the show. So I didn't even know how we handled this. So talk me through that a little bit more. So we took care of the entire issue for you. Yeah. So right after purchase, the tenant in the property on said that there's a problem with the walls and a JWB did an investigation. They found out, you know, there was termite damage at the property. And I think Kyrie I spoke to, he basically said, JWB is going to cover everything from A to Z in regards to this damage. Because you just purchased the property, we should have known that there was some type of termite, termites living in the property. I believe JWB covered the termite pest control. That that was a few thousand dollars, maybe even five to six thousand. And then they also covered the turn costs of the property. That was like another five to six thousand dollars. So it was well over ten thousand dollars JWB covered in order to get this property back to working condition. Wow. And you know it did take a few months. That was a little bit annoying. Like I said, eventually they got it back to working condition. Yeah. And you I can see that in 2023, it's performing just like the other property is performing. I think it's really important to talk about this because in what we're trying to make is this asset class as simple and enjoyable as it is for 
as it can be for investors. But the reality is this is a messy asset class behind closed doors, right? There are all, You're in the people business. And sometimes things happen in properties that you just can't expect. And I think it's important for you to know that when you own eight properties, you're going to have one of these moments where something just doesn't go according to plan. And that's when you really need to have a team that is going to operate to their core values. That's going to do the right thing for you, even if it's not in the contract. Right. And that's, I didn't know that our team did that, but I'm not surprised. Right. When something out of the ordinary happens and it's something that flat out, we just missed, or maybe we couldn't have known. Um, there's always an opportunity for us to do right by you. And so I'm really glad that we've done that. And then we're set up for success here. This is a little bit misleading because in 2023, we only have what probably four months of data showing here, but just seeing how this asset is going to perform, it's clearly going in the right direction and it'll be just performing just like the other ones are as we continue to monitor your portfolio. Do you see two questions? One, is that number that whatever that like alleviation cost that JW would throw in, would that be part of this like calculation also? It is. Okay. So there's other costs that Sachi still experienced, right? Okay. So that's still the real return. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I did a deeper dive, right? And his rental income was lower than what it should have been for mm -hmm. last year because, and Sachi, feel free to correct me here if I'm a little bit off, but we had to move the resident out. We had to do a turn of the yep. property, the resident moved out. So his rental income was lower than what we would have expected, right? He had higher vacancy cost in year one than we would have expected. And that leads to it. I think there were some other costs that were not related to this, to, to the termite work that we did that Sachi probably had to bear as well. So higher on the maintenance and vacancy cost than we would have expected on the eval. Something else to keep in mind though, is that in your first year, it always takes time to get to that level of performance that you see on the eval. And the biggest reason is because you have costs up front, your property management, or excuse me, your tenant placement fee is a cost that you experience day one when you own the property because your home is rented. And so it takes time to, for the property to perform even when it's working well. But when you throw in an un, unexpected circumstance like this, that's when it can start to go more negative, although it would have been a whole lot more negative and Sachi wouldn't have been nearly as happy as if we didn't step in and do the right thing there. That's cool, man. That also makes me think of what you were telling me this morning on the run of somebody very close to you being in this in this syndication where the operator is underperforming and they're still taking a rip off of their management fee. Yeah. And like the idea of, I don't know, you want to just say it as quickly as possible so we can... Yeah. And I think this is good for a future show, but yeah. there's so much operator risk when it comes to syndications. And you just don't have that when you get into the turnkey real estate investment space. When in the syndication world, if you want to get your money out and the operator says, no, you can't get your money out. And they might put a five-year projection of when you get your money out on that syndication. But guess what? They can just close redemptions on you. Even if you're not at that five-year window, if you're past that five-year window, they can just say, you know what? Nah, I'm not going to do redemptions, meaning that you can't get your money back out. And so one of my family members is going through that right now. And it's been a really painful process. And it just highlights the risk of operator when it goes to syndications. Here for Sachi, right? Sachi owns this asset. So he's supported by a world-class team. But if Sachi made the decision that he wanted to get out of this investment for whatever reason, Sachi does not have to answer to JWB. Sachi owns it. That's different when it comes to syndications. Big deal. All right, man. You ready to see your whole portfolio performance here as we do the big <laughs> reveal? Uh, you want to go one by one? 
Sure. Let's go one by one. All right. I feel like it adds the anticipation here. We talk a lot about how this asset class is built on an asset that pays for itself every single month. And that cash flow that you get right off the bat is not the reason to invest in rental properties. It's not cash flow immediately. It's cash flow when you need it. Now, Sachi has experienced significant rent growth over the past four years, but I can tell you that the cash flows that he bought those properties with were not anywhere close to $18,000 of net rental income coming in. And that's the beauty of this asset class. It's not cash flow immediately. It's cash flow when you need it. So your first profit center, Sachi, is net rental income, and you've earned almost $18,000 from your eight rental properties here. Congratulations. In four years. It's pretty good. Next, we've got tax savings. I love me some tax savings. Sachi, do you love tax savings? Tax savings is great. Yeah. Can you give, what does tax savings mean to you? Oh, paying less taxes. There you go. It's a beautiful thing. In owning rental properties, you get these tax advantages that everybody on this call is able to get. You don't have to have any special certifications. And they just allow you to defer taxes on your real estate profits. And you just get it simply by being in this asset class. So your total tax savings to the tune of roughly $9,000 that you've kept in your pocket and on taxes that you did not have to pay on the income that you earned. Next, we've got our third profit center, which is principal pay down. Principal pay down is amazing. This is your residence paying down your loan for you. Which do you like more, tax savings or principal pay down, Sachi? I like principal pay down. Yeah. Well, it's always a victory on someone paying down your loans. It's a beautiful thing. And not enough people even think about it or factor it into the reason why this asset class tends to win over other asset classes. But look at you. You've had $28,000 of your loans paid down, not by you but buy your residence. If we can all just take a second and think, oh man, how cool would it be if I could just find somebody that would just pay my loans off for me? Well, that's what you have when you buy rental properties that produce positive cash flow like Sachi has. So we love that profit center. Next, we've got our home price appreciation. Home price appreciation is the biggest contributor to your return on investment. What were your thoughts on home price appreciation prior to investing with JWB? And maybe what are your thoughts now on it? Prior to investing, I was only looking at maybe 2 to 3% year after year appreciation, but it's obviously been a lot higher than that. It's a good feeling. You know, eventually, if you want to take out some equity and use that to maybe purchase another house, you could always do that. Absolutely. You had options to invest in other markets that produced more positive cash flow, but had lower growth over the last 40 years and lower growth potential going forward. How did you make that decision to invest in Jacksonville, which has higher upside than other markets? Like I said, I was looking at like the future, I would say outlook of Jacksonville. And I seen that the jobs population, everything was going up there. There had to be some value in the real estate eventually. Yeah. You're looking at the dynamics that drive higher home price appreciation, population growth, right? Economics, right? Jobs that are being created here and headquarters that are moving here. And all that translates into demand for housing. And when you have population growing and you have jobs coming here, that's raising median incomes that allows for higher than normal home price appreciation. So you nailed it on the home price appreciation realm. I am the first one to tell you and everybody else that's not sustainable. You're not going to get 10 to 15% appreciation year over year, but I'm super happy that you invested with when you did. And you've earned over $171,000 in home price appreciation of your assets. 
Let's go. And then lastly here, inflation hedging, which I know you're a big fan of. This inflation hedging is going to help you. This is that pension for you, which is inflation protected is a great way to think about your portfolio here, Sachi. And as inflation is two and a half times higher than what it should be right now and has been even higher than that for the past year, this is an asset that is growing in rents and home prices over time. It's going to protect you to produce those cash flows for you when you need it. Yeah, I know that the rents are going up pretty well. They are. They are. And over the long haul, they're going to continue to go up roughly with the pace of inflation, which should be call it that roughly 3% figure there. All right. So here we go. So here's the big, here's the big slice of the pie here. And I think many investors miss this, right? When they're making the decisions on their where to put their money, they don't pay attention to all five profit centers. But when we look at all five profit centers, there's a reason that we need to be in a growing market like Jacksonville. And it's because the biggest piece of the pie here is 76% of Saatchi's returns have come from home price appreciation. So if you're not factoring in the market, if you're just saying, I'm going to buy rental properties because it's next door to me, you're missing out on potentially three quarters of the pie of your overall return on investment. And I would encourage you to do what Saatchi did and to find that market that leads to higher growth because it will increase your overall returns. Sachin, we show these things every week. I always call this thing the Pac-Man, right? It's like you see this pie chart of profit centers and it's always home price is the Pac-Man. Everything else is the mouth of the Pac-Man, man. You got a perfect Pac-Man here, right? You got this like perfectly open mouth with your rental income, which is great. The tax savings, your principal pay down that you love. And then this big blue Pac-Man right here, which I know that Greg's colorblind. So we got to tell him it's blue, There we go. but that's the Pac-Man. And here's the big reveal. All right, Sachi. So when you made the decision to put your money with JWB, you brought a little over $386,000 to your investment portfolio with us. Happy to report that current portfolio is now worth $612,948, my friend. Wow. Your expected return when you put your money with us was 10.6%. But because of the great decision that you made based on the team, the market, and then the properties, your actual returns on investment come in at 23.8%. Super happy for you, Sachi. What do you think? That's awesome, especially since most of the houses came within less than a year ago. And I was able to see that big difference. Absolutely. If we go back to what I loved about your story in the beginning, it was a year or two of purchasing five properties. And it was four years of investing with us overall. But it was 10 years before that you started to do the things to set yourself up for success right? The education, the due diligence, the saving of the initial down payments, right? And then you've just continued on that journey. While it might seem like you just made a good decision and timed the market and all that good stuff, I think you you deserve a lot more credit than that, right? This strategy works not just when home prices go up like they have, this strategy is going to be working for you for the next 10, 20 years so that you can benefit from all five profit centers. Oh, that's great. Thank you guys a lot. Sachi, thank you, man. Because we get to talk to a lot of people on this show and every single time we do it, we learn something new, right? Like the, you're this, that concept of the pension versus inflation, I think is really profound that we've never gotten that soundbite. And I think that can open the eyes of a lot of people, a lot of your colleagues, a lot of people in your situation, right? School teachers, all the, all these industries that have these pensions, I think it's so valuable every time that we can recontextualize this thing a different way to, to make it fit for somebody, man. So I just think you made a really big impact here. Before we let you go, someone's going to ask you for advice, how to grow a 10, you're eight, you're about to be at 10 very soon here. 
portfolio and what you've done and advice on this journey, right? Like what would be your advice to somebody if they were asking you for investment advice? You have to do your research and be confident. Set a time, maybe a year, two years, three years, a time to save, work really hard, do a lot of overtime. Even if you don't like your job, just work really hard for one, two, three years, save your money, and then eventually take that money and make a wise investment. Sometimes you're going to lose. Hopefully you win based on your research. That's how you move forward. And that's what I did at the beginning. You know what I think? I think about one of the best lessons I learned from a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I just think Sachi is living this out. In the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it talks about minding your own business. And that doesn't necessarily mean going out and starting your own company. It just means minding your own business and thinking about your day job as your active income, but you also have a business, which is your investment income. And many people just turn a blind eye to that and they just put it in their 401k and hope it's going to be there. Or they just think, I'm going to wait until I get that pension. But Sachi, you didn't do that. You've been minding your own business. In addition to your active income, in addition to your pension, you're minding your own business here on the investment side. And it's just, we're just happy to be a part of it. Yeah, to be honest, I never invested into a 401, 401k. I never believed yeah. I, I like real estate because it's real. There you go, man. I think you're doing quite well. Thank you. Epic, man. Epic story. Thank you, Sachi, man. Really appreciate you being here. I want to thank our community because it's them that has allowed us to have this platform, to have these conversations. I want to congratulate Nadim and Jen that I think signed up for the class as we were on the show right now. If you want to join Nadim and Jen and over 100 other investors in that class, which is free right now, go to nyaiclass.com, put in the code NYAIGUIDEFREE. And you will get it for free. We'll put all that stuff in the show notes for this episode. Again, thank you. Thank you, Sachi. GC, I just love these shows, man. Thank you for letting me do this stuff. It fills my bucket, man. It fills yeah. my bucket. Sachi, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being so open and sharing your story. Man, it is never lost on me the amount of trust that you put into an organization that is not right next door to you, that that you met online or you read some forums or articles that I had written. So I appreciate that trust. My team We'll never forget that. And yeah, can't wait to have you back on the show here. We get to talk more of your success in Thank future you, years here. To be honest, I, I just got a little bit more motivated to buy more. Let's right. go. Let's All go. Right. Yeah. Sachi, is there any, do you want people to follow you anywhere online? Is there like a charity that you want them to donate to or anything like that before we get out of here? No charity. I have Instagram. That's about it. They want okay. to. All right. Well, like, do you want us to link it in the show notes so they follow you on yeah, Instagram? Yeah. Well, I'll send it to you guys after. All right. Sounds good, brother. Next Tuesday, we get back into Not Your Average Market Insights. We're talking about how to time the market. Oh, that's right. I forgot what yeah. we do on Tuesday. Time the market. I oh, think everybody love loves talking about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope to see you there. And remember, if you want to be like Sachi, I know I do, and get to eight properties in under four years, you can't be average. See you next week. See you, everybody. Thank you. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you listening to this podcast. Sending one of these episodes to a buddy or dropping us a review would be awesome. But what I really want you to do is go to nyais.com, register and join us live on a Tuesday or Thursday. Seriously, when are you going to do it? When are you going to be the next lead? 
the next Jen, the next Nadim, the next Ken, the next Marilyn Cotterman from Homosassa, Florida, the next Hervé Francois, so I can butcher your name for a while and then become your buddy, the next Bill Shields to come up with a hilarious new way to introduce yourself every time I do the roll call. You get the point. We got a bunch of amazing folks. We want you to be a part of it. Join us live on the show. Go to nyais.com register join us at least one tuesday or one thursday a month at 12 30 i promise it's as fun as it sounds hope to see you on the show i promise you will not be treated like an average investor